For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time! Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? All you powerful parents out there, hope you're having a great week. Have we got some podcasts for you. Mm. This is a powerful one today. It was a tough one to record, I gotta be honest, but it is powerful. Addiction strikes so many homes and people feel helpless and just don't know what to do. And we have a couple on the podcast today that experienced that very thing and felt those very things that anybody does when a child struggles with addiction. We've got Deborah and Mike Bailey on the podcast today. You are going to love this couple. Their story will break your heart. And for anyone who has a kid that struggles with addiction or might struggle with addiction, this will give you a lot of help, wisdom, and hope for the future. Today's podcast is sponsored by my friends at Save the Storks. SaveTheStorks.com, my favorite pro-life organization, helping moms in need wherever they are at. And Blinkist, Blinkist.com slash rebelparenting for a free week. We are so glad you support us here, Rebels. We're so glad that you share this with your friends. It helps us grow every single month. Here on today's podcast are Deborah and Mike Bailey. All right, Rebels, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It is May 7th. It's just gross and rainy today. It sure is. It is not. Usually April showers bring May flowers, and today we have May showers. May showers. I was not happy about that. Our producer went running with her husband this morning and just got drenched (laughs) in it. We've got Mike and Deborah Bailey on the broadcast today. Thank you all so much for coming on the program. Thank you for inviting us. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. I just got to jump into it. Addiction is such a tough, tough topic to to speak on. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to ask your story, but I just want to say how much I appreciate the honesty and the vulnerability in your book uh, and the videos that we've watched and the interviews we've seen you conduct. It's so helpful to have someone that just says, hey, this is what happened. You know, this is our life. So many parents would just say, you know what? We don't ever want to talk about it again. We're going to pretend it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, parenting brings so much shame and guilt anyway that to go through a situation like this really could make you withdraw and just hide. And instead, you've gone the opposite direction and said, if it happened to us, it can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. And just thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We really do appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you allowing us to be here. It's an honor. Definitely. He's good. <laughs> he mm-hmm. is good all the time. So your daughter got uh, stuck in addiction. Talk us through that process, at what point did you see something was going on? Did you have a confrontation? I mean, you had this totally normal, you know, Alabama lifestyle, cheerleader daughter, you got a son, you know, talk about the early stages and some of the the changes you saw coming on. Mm -hmm. Well, Ashlyn, she started with uh, smoking weed in the summer before she went into her ninth grade year. And Mm -hmm. We saw a lot of the ninth grade year. We saw a lot of the telltale signs that we thought she was, you know, using drugs. Her grades were plummeting. Her friends were changing. Just a lot of the, you know, pulling away from us as a family, mm. those type of things. So we kind of suspected it, and we we kept trying to find it. 
asking about it and nothing, but it just kept getting worse. And then finally, she's in Mike, cheerle- can I stop you for a second? I yeah. got to ask you about that because I think so many parents get to that point and they just feel helpless. They don't know what to do. There's obviously a change. The friends have changed. The grades are going down. Mm-hmm. You know, you might see some issues of mistrust or some things where you're, you may have caught her in a lie, but she's got a great excuse and you can't quite figure. It, looking back, not as, as a shame or a guilt type of thing in any way, shape or form, but had you to do that again, had you see something like that going on again, is there anything that you feel like you could have done differently? I mean, you ask, you know, is there something going on? What's mm-hmm. the change? Why are you pulling back? And you're getting, you know, obviously excuses and stories that kids are great at when they're stuck in that. As a parent that might be going through it now listening, is there anything they can do if they don't find it or the child or the spouse doesn't just co- open up and say, yes, I'm struggling or I'm doing something at all? Yeah. Well, we did everything. I mean, we went through her room when she wasn't there. Um, when her friends would get had a lake house, we'd go down the lake. They'd all be down the pier. I'd be going through the girls' things. Could never find anything. You know, we had her her car at the time. We could keep up, and the cell phone we could kind of keep up with where she was. Um, but she got, even got smart with that and would leave her cell phone at a friend's house and then go. So we thought she was somewhere where she, you know, was supposed to be. But she really wasn't. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. In all honesty, it was very difficult because we did get into some confrontations and that we knew she was lying, but we couldn't prove it. And it was uh, getting on my hands and knees because I knew, you know, God is the truth, the life and the way. And I just kept praying. And that really became my God show me the truth. And uh, I'll let Mike kind of tell that part of it. We just prayed that and prayed that. And um she being a cheerleader at the school she was at, if you played in any sort of sports, you could be drug tested at will. So she actually on a Tuesday had been pulled out of class with a group of, of them to be drug tested. The next day went to um, a Wednesday night service at our church and she just got convicted of it, went to uh, one of the leaders there talked to them, told them what was going on, and they gave her some good advice and said, you need to go to your parents and talk to them, just be honest. So that night, she actually came to us and said, I got drug tested and I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to fail it. Mm. And at the time it started out, I used one time last weekend. That's the only time I ever used. And then, okay, maybe it was the second time. Well, maybe I've been doing it for a while. Next thing you know, you know, the truth comes out. Well, I've been smoking every weekend and and during the week for months now so she got tested passed the test did not fail the test but (laughs) we had gone and she wanted to go talk to her cheerleading coach and just be honest with him and did paid some penalties for 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 it but was still on the team so i I mean she at that time she was kind of doing the right steps i think but um Mm -hmm. going back to your question about what to do Sometimes it's it's very easy for the parent to know. I think sometimes, I think God tells you it's going on, and you know it in your heart. You just have a hard yeah. time admitting it. You have a hard time believing that my daughter. I mean, we were the the American family with a white picket fence, and everything's great. One daughter, one son, and you know, good. We've been she she was born in church type deal, so it wasn't like yep. you know, yeah, a hellion that just you know. 
had been living a lifestyle. I mean, they, these were, we thought we'd done it right as parents. I mean, you know, so there's a lot of parents that they feel the guilt and shame and a lot of pride and ego gets in the way and that type of thing. Mm. But I think you really know it. You just, it's hard to prove it sometimes, but you have to kind of, you have to follow that good instinct. And, and I thank God, if your wife prays the prayer of God, reveal it, it's going to get revealed. Amen. <laughs> so, sure. That's, Looking that's back, were. can you see anything that really push away your child or like for people listening, if their child is stuck in addiction, can you think of any things that you were taught or told not to do? just as we're talking about addiction? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that we did, I would always say, if your child, Ashlyn was, had the addictive personality. Um, She also Mm -hmm. had a rebellious nature um, and has, was that way from a little bitty girl. This had nothing to do with the drugs. I mean, she, we always thought she was going to be a lawyer. She could argue (laughs) till you were so confused. You thought you were wrong, but um, yeah. You know, the biggest thing would be if your child is not as rebellious as our child was, you could probably really put up a fierce fight about the friends like you are not seeing that person. And I think that if I could go back and change that but with Ashlyn, I don't think that would have mattered. I think she would have figured out a way to be with us. Like I said, she was leaving her phone, you know, saying she was at one place when she was really somewhere else. She would have figured out a way to work around it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that is huge that if you can prevent or stop or um, control some friendships at a very young age, if I could go back in time, that's where I probably would have tweaked it. The other big mistake that I made and a lot of, and really several of us in the family did is, and it comes from fear, but we, I lashed out in anger and also got almost sort of had a self-righteous thing with God. You know, you shouldn't be doing this. You are a Christian and may, you need to read all this Bible. Just really put it in her face. And it really pushed her away. Um, and the yelling and screaming and, you know, anger got out of control. Names, name calling, things were said that did not help. You really yeah. need to take a breath and have a sit down conversation because it, it and, you know, you're you're scared as a parent. You don't you're yeah. control. And that's where the anger comes from. For yeah, sure. Definitely. I mean, it seems easy to want to yell and want to scream and, <laughs> and bring the Bible in and be like, hey, read this and get clean. And mm-hmm. yeah, I can see how easy it would just on little things that we're not even struggling with yet. We go to that. And I can't imagine having full blown addiction going on. Definitely. I mean, I can see how easy it is to fall into that. Yeah. And to give you all and a lot of parents a break, what you said is true. If you've got that temperament and personality, it, it really doesn't matter. You know, parents can do everything right or attempt to do everything right. And the kid's like, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. Yep. We were just talking the other night. My parents struggled with me. I wanted to go out at night and I hotwired our alarm system. I could open my window at night. I remember being 14, 15 and playing army with my friend Craig, dressing up in camo at night and sneaking out of the house and it was, I knew what the consequences would be, and I just thought, eh, it's worth it to me. I'm going to do it anyway. And I wasn't the strong-willed child like my sister was. I wasn't that way. And I think sometimes parents take all the blame when your kid was doing what your kid wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That's just how it went down. And 
I think sometimes we feel judgment or we actually receive judgment from some people around us when it's like, you know what? We did a lot of right things. We had open arms. We were a forgiving, you know, accepting family, and they decided they want to do that anyway, and Mm -hmm. sometimes they just do. I do like what you talked about with the anger, things like that. And, again, you're so scared. Like, you know, you know, kids are so young, and here's the truth. They're so dumb. They really are. They don't have any idea what's coming in life. They don't. They haven't paid taxes. They don't have a mortgage. They don't have kids of their own. They don't have that kind of responsibility. And as a parent, you know how much that's weighing on you and being so afraid and so worried. Uh, of course, we do the wrong thing at times. Of course, we lash out and yell and feel self-righteous. And, you know, can you believe it? Of course, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Mm. The kids... In their minds, everybody they're around is their best friend, and everybody else loves them, and these are my parents. But when the when it got to the worst of the worst, everybody else left. And the only person left is is your family at that point. I mean, I mm. so many parents and they can they can vouch for this that all these friends that were such good friends are gone when it you know, when it gets really bad. And you want to if nothing else, you want to keep that trust with them. And that's yeah. the hard thing is being firm, set some boundaries, set some things that protect them and you, because you got to be protected in this situation, but set some boundaries that you can live with and you can stand up to, but still do it out of love. And that, that's where it gets tough because your emotions get in the way and you, you know, you're scared to death. I, I'm one of seven grandsons on my father's side and several of them had died from drug overdoses. So there's a there's oh. trait there or training, whatever it would be. Um, yep. and, and that, you know, I have the same addictive personality. Luckily it hadn't been, you know, drug has been other things, but you know, when I do something, I'm all in and actually was the same way from a little child on. And when it became a drug addiction, then it was full blown, you know, so yeah. like, she got a lot sure. of smoke weed for years and we just put it up and quit and she couldn't. So, yeah, you know, yeah. So she came clean to you all and to the coach, even though she was drug tested, it came back clean. Where did it go from there as a family? You know, what's going on, you know, it's happening. You were right all along, even though she was obviously lying about it and telling stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did it just go, just ramp up real quickly after that? Was there a, a pause for a while? What took place? There was a bit of a pause. I mean, we had our, you know, thumb on her pretty, you know, she was kind of restricted. We were monitoring her phone. You know, I went to each of the friend's parents and sat down and talked with them, let them know what was going on, and that I suspected that they were all using. Didn't get much response, just a kind of nod, which if I had that happen, I can't say that I would not have done the same thing. Yeah. Denial is blinding. So, I want to back up just a little bit just to also say, because I said Ashlyn was rebellious. She was a great daughter I'm, and a person. And I just want to go back and say that that it's very important that people realize that people that use drugs are good people and they're smart and they're talented. <laughs> and yes. um, she could have been, would have been a mighty warrior for God. And she was at a younger age. And I think that the enemy uses these drugs to get our kids nowadays to prevent them from being uh, leaders in the church, because if she had mm-hmm. used her rebellious ways in the right way towards helping the kingdom of God, wow, really, that would have been, yeah. you know, she had all of that in her. It just, the enemy got a hold of her and you start believing those lies. So, um, yes. 
Oh, I totally agree with you there. To answer what you were saying, that we we did start out restricting her, but we were very lenient, and it didn't last very long. She would talk us into stuff, I guess the way to put it, but um, and we would go with it. We should have been a little bit stricter for a little bit longer period of time. God sees all sin the same way, okay? But on earth, there's consequences for what you do. And that's hard for a lot of people, even Christians, to understand is when you go the wrong way, God forgives you. You're done. It's clean. You're done. But there are some things that you have to walk out because you do have to build that trust back with everybody that you walk with. Your parents, you know, drug addiction. You have to prove yourself, basically. And there's there's steps you have to take. And we probably didn't walk that out very well. Uh, in the beginning stages, and and it was easy for her to kind of get on with doing what she wanted to do. Um, so you know that that's advice for a parent is set some guidelines, set some restrictions, and then you have mm-hmm. to be the parent. You know, don't be the friend, be the parent. Sure. And be strict sure. and stand up to what you what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. We had Lisa Turkhurst on the broadcast uh, recently, and her husband has struggled with addiction. And uh, the, she did a very similar thing. They had, you know, they met with a counselor and a therapist, uh, set some guidelines and boundaries. This is what we're going to do. And if you break these things, this is the consequence that's going to happen. Uh, and ended up he did. He did break those rules and, and break trust. And so the consequences did happen, uh, which I do ultimately think that's what brought them back together uh, to go in the healing. So I, I like what you're saying about that. And it's true. It's so hard with kids. And it's, I tell, I'll be honest too, it's harder today than it's ever been in the past. It really is. It's much harder today than it's ever been in the past. And so, you know, it, it's harder to, to be strict. It's harder to uh, set boundaries and rules and keep them. It is much, much harder today than it ever has been in the past. You know, it used to be my parents and they wanted to find out what we were doing and talking about. They just pick up the phone and put their hand over the receiver. You know, there was a, a phone hooked onto a wall. Now with cell phones and texting and computers and email, man, if they want to be secret, they're going to be secret. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I hear, well, you can restrict Facebook and you can restrict all these things. And there's all these secret apps that they can have that they still, you know, fake accounts and, and all the different things. It's just, yeah, it's tough to be a parent today. It is. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Sure so let's go and finish out that section of the story. Back in addiction starts escalating. Did you see the escalation? Could you tell what was going on when it started happening? Her emotions would prove a lot of what she was doing, you know, and she'd come home and lash out and you know, we had some some pretty heated conversation and stuff, but she got arrested. Uh she parked in a like a public place on in a park and somebody saw her and, and somebody else in her car were smoking weed, called the police. Police came and, you know, called them. And then they ended up, she had some other drugs in the car. So they actually arrested her. That was the point we had, you know, we'd been telling her if this happens or this happens, you're going to have to go into rehab. And it did. So that was the first time she went into rehab. She went to a, to a teen challenge program out here yeah. as well. Um, uh-huh. came out of there just, I mean, in a great place, a um, lot stronger spiritually than when she went out there. Um, just, you could see the change in her life. But when she came back, she, she went back into the same circle and same friends. And it didn't take long before she was right back, you know, doing what she was doing when she went out there. So 
we kind of lost all control because she got, she was 18. Oh, yeah, she's 18. 18, so she was going to school, but then failed out. So then instead of coming, we, we told her she'd come stay with us, live with us anytime she wanted to. The only rule we had was no drugs. No, no drugs. And if you catch you, then you have to leave. Well, she just decided it was easier just to go live somewhere else and have to hide it from us, basically. And that yeah. really went downhill really fast. Um, mm-hmm. She didn't have anybody at that point in her life to kind of hold her accountable and be there, you know, to kind of keep her off the drugs. Um, so, yeah, it, it got really hard. It was, she was, a, I guess, a five-year addiction and ended up in and out of rehab, about nine different forms of rehab. Oh, oh, wow. It was a long, hard process for her, obviously hard for us. Um, but, you know, it did take a pretty quick turn downhill the last probably couple of years, two or three years. So. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Hey, Rebels. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Save the Storks. Save the Storks helps moms with an unplanned pregnancy. And that's my story. I was an unplanned pregnancy. My birth mom was 16 and faced an uphill battle. And a pregnancy resource center in her area helped her carry me all the way to fruition and then helped adopt me into my family. And Save the Storks helps pregnancy resource centers across the country with stork buses providing mobile ultrasound machines where four out of five moms choose life after seeing their baby on an ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat. Over 6,000 babies have been saved on stork buses. Please support Save the Storks with your prayers and visit savethestorks.com to become a monthly sponsor. Join the movement and help us revolutionize the meaning of pro-life. For more information, visit savethestorks.com. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? Deborah, you guys have written this book talking about God being your anchor and it's a devotional for when a loved one is in addiction. I, I can't even imagine. You know, I, I think the closest thing, I, I was born with an autoimmune disease that I suffered with for decades and decades. And when my son was a baby, they thought he had that. And uh, we went down to get a blood test and it was much, the blood test was harder and, and different than I was expecting. It was very, very difficult with him. And I just thought I would die. And I just thought I would die if he had what he, praise the Lord, he doesn't have what I have. But in the waiting in between when they had the blood test, when we got the news back, Mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to crawl under a rock and cry all day, every day. I didn't want the lights on. I just thought I would die. And yes, the Lord was there for me in that time. I think today it would be a little bit, a little bit different. What's that like for a mom and dad? What's it like for a mom to know that your baby is doing something that could eventually kill them, and, and it actually did. What's it like? How do you let God be your anchor in those times to mm-hmm. where just everything you want isn't going the way you want it to? I mean, every prayer you pray isn't being answered the way you want it to be answered, essentially. I mean, I'm, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I just can't even imagine. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, and just my stomach hurts when I mm-hmm. think about it. It was not easy. It was hell. It was hell on earth. It was very strange. Uh, God just works in different ways. Luckily, neither Mike nor I were in that depressed mode at the same time. 
I would be depressed, mm. not be able to get off the couch, not be able to function or angry or mad. And he would be okay. And he would carry me along and vice versa. We also had a lot of our family is very close. His mom and dad, my mom and dad, his brother and sister-in-law. And I know not everybody has that. That was a beautiful gift. And we did have that. And I can't imagine a single parent or a divorced parents or yeah. that don't have good family connections, how they do this. We had a lot of support. So that definitely helped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had a mom that would come and sit with me. Um, and I, I had friends mm. get me out of the house, but yes, you do. You do feel like you just want to die. It's mm. like, Lord, take me, cure her of this and take me, let me be the yeah. one that's yep. suffering and not her. For sure. So. Mm. That's definitely a parent. Of course, yep, I've said that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just praying to the Lord. Like, I have this. I know what it's like. Just put it on me 10 times. You know, mm-hmm. don't let him have it. You know, yes, 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 mm. yes. Oh, gosh. For Ashlyn, in those later stages, was she connected to your um, son at all? Was she having any relationship with the family or what? What did it look like? We had the boundary of you couldn't live in the house if you did the drugs. So she chose to leave home. But when we would get together for family things, Christmas, Mm -hmm. Easter, and that was still the rule. If you come high or messed up, you will be asked to leave. Most of the time she adhered to the rules. I'm not stupid. I'm sure she had probably smoked a little weed before she got there, but she was not under heavy intoxication or problems from it. But she stayed close to her family. She texted, um, her uncle, her her grandparents, very close to her brother when she would come home for birthdays or whatever family affairs. And she would talk to him and tell him, do not do this. And just she was very concerned. She would always ask because he was getting to be about 15, 16 at this time when she was you know, older and out of the home. And she was very concerned. She did not want him to make the same mistakes that wow. she had made. Mm, wow. Yeah, wow. that's powerful. You know, to kind of add to that, when I was in high school, you know, we people would smoke weed a little bit. They would drink on the weekend, something like that. The harder drugs were not, it just wasn't around in our, where we lived and everything. That was, you know, different, whole different set of people. And now it's everywhere. I don't care. Yeah. Rich or poor, white, black, you know, inner city, rich, you know, whatever it would be, it 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 is not, you know, picking one territory over another. Um, and Ashlyn, you know, we just never thought this would ever happen. Well, you know, you the way I grew up thinking about people that did drugs was one way. Seeing my daughter that was beautiful blonde mm. blue eyed, you know, cheerleader really just opened my eyes to it. And she would sit there and tell us, I don't want to do this. I mean, she wanted off the drugs so bad. Um, Mm -hmm. And she heard stories about people that God would just instantly heal them of it. No withdrawals, nothing. And she would pray for that. She wanted it so bad. And and she would never get it. And I think that's where it really got hard for her to understand was, why did God God do that for somebody else and he can't do it for me? Yeah. Um, you know, like was you gotta take some steps, you gotta walk this out. But she wanted that instant healing um and deliverance from it and but 
I say all that to say this. A lot of what we're saying sounds like Ashton was, you know, this bad kid that did whatever. She was, if you asked her friends, she she had more friends than anybody in the world. Everybody mm-hmm. was the most forgiving kid you've ever met in your life. I mean, just great. And just, she got hooked on the wrong thing at the wrong time. And it just, she did not want to do it. So, um, yeah. But, well, I appreciate what you said earlier too, Deborah. Good people do drugs. Yes. Good people turn into addicts, mm-hmm. uh, which is a hundred percent true. We deal with it so much here at Rebel Parenting. These are loving mothers and fathers. Yes. These are great kids. Um, sometimes people are pre-wired to be addicts. That that's in their personality, and any feeling is a good feeling. You know, whether it's an up or a down or silly or a numb. But that feeling is something that people chase. It's a struggle. It really is. And you don't stop loving your kids. Mm. You know, they're your kids. You don't stop loving them. Yeah. So what kind of support did you guys have for yourselves? I mean, you said your family was really involved, but did you guys throw those rehabs, go to outpatient care or Al-Anon or other things that were provided for you as parents? I'm just wondering for parents listening. We did. We went to all of the the rehabs. If there was a parent weekend, we went to the counseling sessions there. It was very difficult going to some of the support groups that did not have life-giving principles or applications for it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I did not like the groups that just went around and just told your story and I left feeling worse and I was like, okay, now I'm just thinking about everybody's problems and mine. Um, but we did do a group at our church and it was not about addiction, but we could deal with the problems that we were going through through it. It was, it's a freedom, uh, group. I don't know if y'all have that out there, if you've ever heard of it. Um, but basically it's, um, just getting to know God for who he is and how much he loves you and just really digging in and dropping the baggage that you carry. Mm. And it's so funny when you drop your baggage that you have, you are able to be in a place to be a source of healing towards someone else. And after we had gone through it, that was one of the things mm. Ashlyn said, our parenting skills changed. We did not yell and scream and we loved her unconditionally. Even though we did that before, it was just di- different. Um, loved her sure. through God. Mm. Um, and she even commented, y'all are so different now. You wow. know, I want to be mm. just like you. It's huge. And a lot of what we learned is in the devotional. Um, you know, I wrote the Great. devotional when I was going to um, the bookstores. It was how everything was general, like how to get up over a bad day or how to deal with sickness or why bad things happen to good people. And I wanted something. I didn't want to have to think for myself. I wanted something on addiction. And I just started journaling and we'd have, you know, 21 days of prayer or, and I just, anything that the, any, the pastors or groups that we went to, I applied it to my addiction and God, how is this going to help me? And as I was journaling, it was like, God was like, you're going to turn this into a book. And I'm like, I'm going to do what? (laughs) So, um, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Can I ask a harder question too? Was there a time where you were angry with God? Was oh, there yeah. a time where you were saying, "Hey, listen, you know, it's funny." I was t- I was talking to a big group. We know from reading the Bible, bad things happen to good people, and I think there's this underlying teaching that says 
And if you're a Christian, you know, God will save you from your problems pretty much, you know. But, and, and that's not true. We all go through hard times. It, it, just because we believe doesn't mean we get it off, we get it better than anybody else. And so there are times, I remember when Laura was going through cancer, and I'd just be like, come on, Lord. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, enough already. Like, I, it, I, I, come on, you know. And he would just say, keep following me. And it's, a, it's such a hard thing to do at times. Mm. You're exactly right. Uh, uh, I think both of us had some screaming fights with God. <laughs> and a lot of people feel guilty about that or think you shouldn't. And it's okay. David did it. Did it. We just took the Psalms approach. <laughs> Have your fight. I mean, there was a time I didn't go to church. I refused to go. I mean, I did get mad. I really did get mad at him. I, but God pers- kept pursuing me. And yeah. if the other people that would get me back in church were just, I've got to get back in. He still pursues mm-hmm. you. And I think that's, you know, very important to remember that, that even though you feel like he's not there, he is. If God's not big enough for me to ask questions, get mad at him, yell at him, why is this happening, why is that happening, then he's not a very big God. So yes. I don't think there's anything wrong with questioning it, okay? I mean, you got to have have reverence for him. You have to love him. You know that he's got he's got this figured out. But if you're not, if he ain't big enough for me to ask him why I'm having to go through this, then then I need a better, I need a bigger God. <laughs> yeah. Amen. We believe that God is bigger than your screams. He's bigger than your complaints. He's bigger than your questions. Uh, and he's used to it all. And it's not like he doesn't know you're feeling it anyway. Yeah. It's not like you right. can fake it. Pretend that you're not <laughs> mad at God, that he can't read your thoughts and he can't see your emotions. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Mm. Thank you for being, honestly, Thank you so much for being vulnerable and honest about everything through this process. Yes. It's so hard to do. It's that thing that you feel ashamed or guilty or embarrassed or, you know, like people are looking at me and they are. And it just happens so many times. And mm-hmm. I just appreciate so deeply that you've been honest and vulnerable about this. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Deborah's book, when she would write in it, our family would come under the worst attack you could ever imagine. Like, I bet. Okay, so like, get the phone call, you know, Ashton been arrested, or we wrecked a, another car, or, I mean, some really big, not just, hey, we had a little spat. I mean, we're talking about some big things. Mm-hmm. And over time, it, it we finally realized, hey, every time you write a chapter of this book, this happens, you know, I think. And so she was like, do I need to quit writing in this book? And I'm like, well, now we know where the tax yeah. coming from. So we're <laughs> going, we're going to have to do it. And it was yeah. that the day um, of Ashland Memorial service, we were driving home, just two of us. And I said, well, you need to hurry up and finish your book now. And she said, well, I finished it last week. So, wow. Oh, I just got chills. Yeah, mm. me too. <laughs> but, wow. um, it was neat to see that and know that God, the, if the enemy hates it that bad, it's going to be used by God for something right. good. So that's, yeah. it's been neat to see how how what you've written has affected and helped other people. We want it to keep going, so we're you know, we're really glad that y'all are letting us you know talk about the book, and and I uh, hope anybody listening that's got the same struggles would look for it. And or any friends, I'll just share it with them because I mean, it is, it's a neat. The, the emotions that you go through is what this book deals with. It's not the how to get my kid off of drugs in thirty days. This is <laughs> right. I love my child, and I still want to want to strangle them at the same time. How do I deal yeah. with it? You know, yeah. so, 
Awesome. It's the most honest approach. And you've now started a foundation. Talk about the foundation uh, and its purpose and mission. So we formed a foundation, Ashlyn, Ashlyn Bailey Foundation, in her memory, and kind of have three different pillars. One is we think that we can, although we can't really speak to an addict on how to get off a of or drugs or whatever, we can speak to the parents and friends that are dealing with it. So, you know, anything we can help with that, we do as a couple. And then this book is a large part of that. So that's one thing. And then what we did see a lot of in rehab was you, you would see somebody that had physically gotten off of drugs mm-hmm. and knew that God had told them, I'm going to take what you've been through and use it to help other people. And they had just gotten on fire for God. So we have been scholarshiping students that have gotten off of drugs, have been through a, a faith-based rehab, and they know that God's called them to use it for somebody else. So we scholarship them to Highlands College. It's a it's a ministry school at our church. And we have three students in there right now. One is graduating actually this Saturday. So oh, wow. Uh, wow. That's great. Yeah. So, and then the third pillar is as much as I hate what happens with a with a drug dealer and what they're doing, God loves them the same as He does each of us and our daughter and everything. And we feel like we're supposed to be doing something to help um, in that realm. That's that is the the last pillar, and we are working on that right now. Ashlyn's um, drug dealer was convicted of. Um, it's called distribution leading to death. So it's a murder conviction in federal court. And it kind of set up a new statute on Alabama law that um, that they could convict them uh, when they had multiple drugs in their system. So, wow. so wow. it's kind of like well, a- that's, I think that's something that we hadn't we hadn't quite finished on. You know, Ashlyn went from weed into opiates uh, in pill form and then which often happens. Uh, that turns into a heroin addiction because it's harder to get pills than is heroin. Right. And then she ended up dying on a dose of heroin that was mixed with fentanyl right. uh, that the dealer yeah. the dealer gave out. Uh, and I got to tell you, fentanyl is everywhere yes. in the news. It is so, so powerful. Prevalent. It's so dangerous. It's so addictive. Uh, and most current heroin deaths are due to it being mixed with fentanyl because it just, they don't know they're getting it. They take a regular dose and it just pushed them over the edge. Mm. And yeah. so your dealer was convicted of multiple drugs in a system and of your daughter's death. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so we feel like we're supposed to help in that realm and, and we're working on that right now, trying to put mm-hmm. some stuff together. But so the, the book sales are, um, we don't get a penny. They actually, the, the contract is written directly to our foundation. So any wow. that oh, we great. get money goes directly to that. So, you know, when you buy a book, you're helping in, in a lot of ways more than just buying a book. So that's, right. that's, pretty Man, cool. that's, that's fantastic. Awesome. Wow. Wow. So, oh my goodness. We've hit so much. Is there anything you want to say in closing? I mean, it's just been so great. I really mm-hmm. do appreciate the foundation and the book. I can't believe that the, all the proceeds are going to the foundation. That's fantastic. And I got to say, reading about your forgiveness of the dealer, guy Lee, that's overwhelming. I mean, it really is. That is, whoo. Mm. You are some strong people that are relying Amen. on your anchor in the Lord. Honestly, I, my goodness, I am so amazed 
I am so mm-hmm. amazed at your outpouring and it really does show. It really does show. Yeah. Thank you. It was neat because it, me and Deborah and our son Ty, we were each, um, God was working on both, but all three of us at the same time and, you know, didn't know it. Finally, the two of us were talking and like, you know, I really feel like we're supposed to, you know, show forgiveness to to him, but I don't know. How do we do that? And do we do it? You know, you're kind of battling your, your own emotions, you know, yeah. um, over mm-hmm. God's telling you in your spirit. And about that time, our son came to us and said, where is, where's the drug dealer at? And oh, why? He said, I want to go see him. Why do you want to go see the drug dealer? He's like, well, I want to offer him forgiveness. And so we heard that. We knew that, you know, that's God's hand on all of us. So that was, it was pretty neat. So God, Wow, that's God. powerful. Hmm. I guess the only thing, lastly, I would like to say is I know a lot of people may not be where we were at the time that we were walking through her addiction. Um, and I think those years of walking through her addiction, I mean, God's sovereign and he knows everything. He, he knew all of this was going to happen with Ashlyn. And I think he got us ready to be able to accept that when he took her home, we would be able to continue on. But I think the biggest thing, and not everybody may be in the same walk with the Lord that we're in, but if you go all in, and I know it's so scary, but it's one of the easiest things to do to just go on all in and dump it at his feet. Mm-hmm. And really, I, and I think that I had no other choice. I was at rock bottom. I was as miserable and as empty mm-hmm. as my daughter was. Yeah. And then you just mm-hmm. had to just him. And it didn't happen overnight. And, and don't think that as a parent, um, you know, we see parents that are in their 60s and 70s that have 30 and 40 year old olds that are still going through this you just you don't give in don't give up you just keep pressing into the lord keep loving your child through god's eyes and you know keep those boundaries that are there and that's really all you can do and mm-hmm. i would never wish this on anyone and it sounds so crazy I'm about to say i would never wish this on anyone but at the same time i've never been closer to god and i would never say I wish this had never happened because I'm a completely different person and I know I know God, I know who he is. I think that has been the the biggest gift. You know, he says well, you you don't walk through pain without him replacing it. Well that if I don't get anything he's given me what he took away. Um then I'm gonna see her again. So yeah. <laughs> no problem. My goodness. Well it's been a I so it's been a great broadcast. You know, it's a hard one, but I just appreciate it so much, and I really do think it's going to minister to so many people. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you being on today. Thank you. Thank you. Man, our special thanks to Deborah and Mike for coming on, being honest and vulnerable, telling their story exactly like it is. So helpful. We have had people that have heard that on our Facebook Live, and it really ministered to them. So our special thanks to that family. Also, our thanks to the Voice of the Martyrs, helping those being persecuted for our gospel for more than 50 years. Persecution.com is their website. And Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash Rebel Parenting, 15-minute summaries of nonfiction books. I love this service. God bless Rebels. We'll see you soon.
Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.